I'd like to start out today by reading from the scriptures. The kids have taken off already. They're like, we're out of here. Um, But I'm going to start with the scriptures. Today, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. Well, it is great to be out here today in God's creation. We can actually hear the birds chirp as we do worship. I'm glad to be here with all my friends, both those that are here with us today and those that are joining us online. And we are excited for the lives of our uh, uh, future graduates and all God will, will do with them. And today we're starting a new series called Anxiety Solved. Now, the text I just read of, uh, speaks of something that creates most of our anxiety and fears as people, and that's people, or the fear. Now, I know that many of our students and parents today might think the fear of man is that come in. Okay, yeah, is that better? Okay, I'm going to move over. Shade, it helps. Okay. It's not people doing strange things. I'm going to switch to this pocket. Maybe that'll help. Um, it's, uh, it, it, you know, d- doing strange acts of violence in our schools. That's, that's not really what the fear of man is. Today's message is about something more common that happens every day in our schools, in our workplaces, in our homes, in our social situations. The, the fear of man is something which causes daily stress, limits our productivity, limits our opportunities, causes us to sin, and steals our joy. You know, I've been thinking this week of how much the fear of man has limited my own life. It's caused me to sin and, uh, because I'm trying to distract my mind from the pain of it with food or with media, or with overworking. It can cause me to procrastinate or, or miss opportunities that would benefit me and benefit my family. I can lose sleep over it. It can cause me to be a perfectionist and have uh, harsh or unreasonable demands and expectations of others. And I'm not alone in this because the fear of man is a universal problem. If you think about what creates most of our anxiety, it's related to how people perceive us. You know, in our teens, we call it peer pressure. And many of our young people have a great need to be liked or, or, or to be popular. And they start to fear around, you know, the age of 10 or 12, uh, uh, what other people think of them. You know, I remember my daughter when she was three or four years old, she was like Natalie. She would spin around and dance wherever we went and, and had no fear of people in public places. She would go up to strangers and, 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 and chat with them. But then she had 10 years old and, and she started to be self-conscious about her behavior, how she dressed, how her hair looked, who her friends were, and how terrible it was to be seen walking with her dad 
who always dressed or talked or acted inappropriately to her. It, it was all natural, it's all natural for tweens living in our world, but something beautiful in her was lost as she took on the anxiety of what other people thought of her. I remember junior high, I had this fear of what people thought of me, and it was quite paralyzing. I, I used to make myself physically sick every time I had to give a speech in one of my classes, which is kind of funny considering what I do for a living now. And now I can get this job done, but sometimes I still make myself sick over it because of my anxiety to do well. The fear of man or pleasing people affects us all. Um, some of us, we have anxiety about the things we, we post on social media. We want others to give us a like or, or respond positively to our posts. If you don't think you're anxious about it, why do you check your phone so much? Um, the whole social media thing is driven uh, by people pleasing, by trying to get followers, people to like your posts. And, and for many, there's a lot of anxiety with it. Um, there's a lot of anxiety also uh, in, uh, that is created by keeping our family members pleased with us. We often fear their disapproval. Uh, they, they might disapprove our choices. And if, if we fear that, that can limit our opportunities to try new things and to, to take on new opportunities in life or, or stay committed to those things that are important to us in our lives. We can often stay in unhealthy and un abusive relationships because we have lost, uh, you know, we fear a loss of love. We fear being alone. We, we fear that uh, we may not be perceived well by others in, in making a healthier choice in a relationship. Many stay in job situations which are not healthy because we fear letting others down or the, the loss of income, which is often connected with our status or how others perceive us. Anxiety can also drive our poor economic choices in our lives. We often buy things with money we don't have to impress people we really don't like anyways. Um, Sometimes we don't realize we have anxiety uh, because fear actually masks itself in other emotions. Many men often don't admit they're afraid or anxious. Instead, they express it in anger. For many women, anxiety can mask itself in depression. Our anxieties can make us control others and overly, be overly controlling of ourselves, trying to be perfect. Our controlling as others is often because we feel their behavior is a reflection on us. We may call this thing peer pressure or people pleasing or, or, or codependency or social anxiety, but ultimately it's all fear of what people think. Now, some of us say the, the opinions of people don't really matter to us, and some of us even avoid people. But if we're hermits or we isolate, is that not also driven by the fear of dealing with people? So it is so common that, that most of my time as a pastor is speaking to people with fears or anxieties about their relationships with other people. The good news is there's a solution to this anxious mess of human existence, and it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says there is no fear in love, but that perfect fear casts out, or, or perfect love 
Perfect love casts out all fear. In Christ, we have the perfect expression of love. So why do so many Christians struggle with the fear of man? Now, if you're saying, I don't, how often have you had a gospel conversation with others this week? What, what stopped you? Were, were you afraid that someone would think you're a Jesus freak and totally out of touch with reality? Jesus commands you to make disciples, and it's ultimately because of the fear of man that you disobey him in doing that. This is a problem is not new to modern life. Throughout history, throughout the history of the Bible, God's people have struggled one time or another with the fear of man. Abraham lied and, and said his wife was his sister because he was afraid of a foreign king. The children of Israel walked 40 years in the desert and a generation died because of their fear of men. Peter denied his friend Jesus three times, not because he was interrogated by a Roman soldier, but by a teenage girl with no power or status who questioned him about his relationship with Jesus. Jesus was killed by religious leaders and government leaders that feared their reputation with man more than they feared God because he was an innocent man. Most of the political fighting and division we see in our country today is ultimately because of the fear of man. Even the sickening violence that we have seen in our schools, the, the mass shootings, is ultimately caused by the fear of man. When one person becomes famous for their evil behavior, someone tries to outdo them and become infamous in their evil. And the victims of that are sadly our children. Why would people do such senseless public acts of evil unless you are trying to be remembered by men? The Bible says the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Proverbs 29, 25. We have all fallen as people for this trap in different places in our lives. If you look through the New Testament, you will see that Jesus is the only one that never feared man. Look through all the scriptures. You will not find him fearing man. So today, let's look closely at his word so that we can get out of this trap ourselves. Jesus said in verse 4, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. See, I love how compassionate and, and direct Jesus is teaching us about this universal problem. He says, I tell you, my friends, he, all know, he knows we all struggle with our anxieties in, in many different ways, and yet he doesn't rebuke us for it. Friends, fear is sin. But Jesus does not condemn us here for it. How do I know our fears and anxiety are sin? Because Jesus says, do not do it. And if God says not to do something, and we do the opposite, it's sin. Anxiety is not part of his design for our lives, for those he calls friends. The words, do not fear, in the Greek, come as an encouragement. They literally mean, God forbid that you would fear. Why? Because you're my friends. 
If God is really your friend, friends, is there any need to fear? If he's really your friend? Or as another uh, people-pleasing person, the Apostle Paul asked, if God is for you, who can be against you? Paul was once a terrorist and a killer of Christians because his ambition, his fear of man to be on top religiously drove him to kill other brothers. He knows the solution to our problem is being Jesus' friend. Jesus says, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. Now, Jesus is not saying the people are not a threat. He knew more than anybody how dangerous people could be in their need to please other people. People can be very dangerous to you. They can be deadly. Even their words can cut deep. The Bible says, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 12, 18. Many of us have been hurt deeply by reckless words that have been spoken against us in junior high and in high school and later in life. Some of the reckless words spoken against us happened from people that were supposed to love us, like our, our parents and our teachers and our coaches and our religious leaders. These hurtful words often drive us to overcompensate, trying to win approval from them in unhealthy ways. And some of us give up altogether. Instead, we medicate our feelings in unhealthy ways. But Jesus here is not reckless with his words. He is careful. He gives us the solution to our fears by calling him friend. He came as our friend to free us from our fears with his gospel. To do this, he first honestly needs to be honest about us with the problem that we all have, which is the fear of man. To heal from our anxiety, we first need to recognize this common problem in us and how dangerous it is to all of us. When Jesus says, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do, he is saying man's power to hurt you is limited. The worst people can do is kill you. That's it. That's all they can do to you. Jesus knows the reality of this. Men will put him on a cross to kill him. But friends, that's all they could do to him. The opinions of men and their actions did not define Jesus or stop God's plan for him. In light of eternity, there was very little damage that those men did to him except make one day very painful. Jesus gives us here the answer to our anxieties. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Wait, Jesus' answer to our anxieties and our fear is fear? Yes. A greater fear, friends, will take away your anxiety. Let's say today a, a huge tornado was coming right up that field, right, getting close to those cars. You may have come here today feeling anxious about your job or your spouse or uh, uh, about uh, something coming up this upcoming week. But when you turned around and saw that tornado, all your other fears, all your other anxieties would be going away. All you'd be thinking about is getting in the basement. You'd be totally focused because you had a greater fear. 
See, we don't willfully displace fear. We replace it. See, here is the problem if we fear man. People have become very big to us, and God has become very small to us. Fear can be an acrostic for false evidence appearing real. Anxiety is caused by a false threat that's seeming more real to us than the real threat. The worst people can do to you is kill you. But God has the authority to put us in hell for all eternity. You may be thinking, Ken, how does that help me stop being anxious to hear that I could go to hell for all eternity? Well, Jesus is really saying, he's not threatening us. What Jesus is saying is, fear the one who has total authority over your life. Jesus says, once he is killed. See, God has the authority to kill you. God has the authority to punish you for all authority. He is true authority over your life. The Bible says this, the fear of the Lord leads to life. And whoever has rest, who has it rests satisfied and he will not be visited by harm. See, the problem of anxiety is we have trusted in a false authority man and not true authority God. People have become gods or idols to us. Their words and their actions seem bigger to us than God, and that's why we become anxious. Faith, friends, is the antidote to fear. A high view of God will actually take away your fear. Jesus says, after he is killed, that means God is in complete control of your life. He decides always whether you live or die, even if a man kills you. And, and there are many verses in the Bible that say, uh, this, that God is completely in control of our lives. Here's one. It says, See now that I, even I, am He, and there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. There is none that can deliver out of my hand. Even the men Jesus killed, who killed Jesus, were, were part of God's plan to bless Jesus and ultimately to bless us. God was totally in control of it. He and the Son actually planned it before the foundations of the world. Jesus predicted, he said it many times, what would happen to him. And they did all this to save mankind from sin and eternal punishment. God orchestrated Jesus' death for our benefit. He is sovereign. He is in control of all circumstances in our lives. The Bible says all events of our lives, both the good ones and the bad ones, are ultimately there for our benefits. Romans 8.28 says, And we know for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purposes. What does the Bible say when people are gods to us instead? It, it, it says it is a snare. But then he says, those who trust in the Lord are safe. The ones that trust in him as Lord, as authority. If you trust in God, if you fear him as God, you are safe. There is nothing to be anxious. You win completely, forever. Jesus calls you friend and tells you 
God forbid that you would fear. Fear anything at all. Peace comes when you believe God's words more than you believe the actions or the words of man. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, which are people, nor stands in the way of sinners, which is all people, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, those are proud people, but his delight is on the law of the Lord, which is the word of God, and, all, and on the law he meditates day and night. If you make your kids, your wife, your boss, your neighbor, your friends, your highest counsel, if those are the words that you listen to with authority, you will be anxious because people are proud sinners. Even your cute little kids and your loving sister. Because they are sinners. And because of that, they often want to be on the throne of your life. And if you let them, they will make you anxious. But if God is on the throne of your life, if you fear and delight in his words more than anybody else's, the Bible says you will have freedom from anxiety. And later on in Psalm 1, it says everything that you do will prosper. If you trust his word more than anything else. See, even people with the best intentions in your life are not God. If, if you fear God, let him be God, then anxiety disappears. According to the scriptures, this is an active process, a day-by-day -day process. It's not a one-time magic bullet. So today, if you want to be less anxious, make the decision to read his word every day. If you're anxious today, start with Psalm 23 and then read that three times a day for three days and then call Dr. Ken in the morning. That prescription will work if you believe his word to you more than the false evidence of the people that seem so big in your life. In a court of law, there are two types of evidence, direct evidence and circumstantial evidence. Direct evidence is of a fact-based um, Facts based on a witness's personal knowledge or observation of a fact. And circumstantial evidence is evidence of facts that a court can maybe draw a conclusion from. So what most people do is they look at the circumstances of their lives and they become the judge or they let other people be that judge on whether, um, and, and it doesn't even matter whether those people are reasonable people or not, and because they let them or themselves become judged, they become anxious. Direct evidence is stronger than circumstantial evidence. The kind of evidence an anxious person uses to justify their anxiety is circumstantial evidence. Jesus now is giving us direct evidence as a witness, the only witness, the only man from heaven of why it is not reasonable to be anxious. Verse 6 says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten by God. Why is Jesus talking about sparrows? We probably are hearing some singing. Why is he talking about sparrows? Because Jesus is being simple with his direct evidence. See, the anxious person tends to spin out fretting with lots of words about circumstantial evidence that they're not loved and alone in the world. 
But, but Jesus talks about sparrows. Sparrows are abundant all over the world. In northern Africa and Europe and in Asia, they've often become a pest because they are so prolific. They breed in caves and in human houses. You know, you can eat sparrows, although you would need a few to make a meal. They're not bad for you to eat. In biblical times, the poor could afford their meat. Two copper coins were a sixteenth of a man's wages, so they're affordable to everybody. Right now in our world, there's about 1.6 billion sparrows, according to BBC News in 2021. But bird populations are decreasing. But in the 1800s, there were several U.S. cities that paid bounties on these birds because their populations were spreading so fast. Jesus says, not a single little valueless bird to man, a pest is forgotten by our God. He knows the value. He knows everything about each bird that he created. These birds that we put little value on, actually in Matthew's gospel it says two sparrows are sold for a single penny. And then Luke's gospel says five for two pennies. So if sparrows are so little value to men, you can buy two and get one free. But in Matthew's gospel, it says not one will fall to the ground. Not one will die apart from God our Father knowing it. Jesus is saying, look how much concern God has for a bird most considered worthless. It's not forgotten. Of the anxiety in our lives, most of it is fear if you think about it because we will be forgotten. Many people work in anxious toil so they will be remembered because of the status they achieve. People often are overly anxious and invest in their lives and their children so they can live on in their lives and not be forgotten. People fight wars and conquer nations so they will not be forgotten. People anxiously um, do good things, lots of good things, in hopes that they will not be forgotten. People do extremely bad things, like shoot up schools, so they will not be forgotten. Those who have been forgotten by man in this life can be very anxious, and it can affect them very deeply. Because they choose to believe the false evidence of their abandonment, that they have little value, and often, they either try to overachieve to prove their value, or they become victims to prove their value by talking about all the wrong things that have been done to them. You know, my mother-in-law came to this country from Japan, married to a serviceman, and then was abandoned by him for another woman. She was also forgotten by the people of her homeland for marrying an American right after the war. Unfortunately for her, being forgotten became her identity. It was part of almost every conversation of just how much she had been wronged. Really, the only enjoyable, positive conversation we had is where I heard her have peace in her heart was when she told me about how she had been found in Jesus. But still, much of her life was full of anxious torment because of what had happened to her. It seemed so much bigger than what she found in Jesus most of the time. Many 
like her who have been abused or who have been abandoned in this life feel forgotten. And they feel the shame of the sin of other people that has been done to them. And that leaves them in their lives in anxious toil, trying somehow to make up for it. They medicate the pain by seeking the love of man, often in very destructive ways to them and to others. Some of you here today feel anxious because you feel you'll be forgotten. You're motivated by a a fear that you will never be loved because of the sins of other people. Some fear they will never prosper, that they will be passed up in life. Often that fear that we have um, that we'll never be known for anything good turns into something where we try to be known for doing something bad. Friends, it's awful to feel forgotten. I was a child of divorce, and even though both parents loved me very much, I often felt forgotten, like others matter more than me. If you feel forgotten today, it's understandable. Many of you have been abandoned and forgotten by man. But Jesus says this does not have to create anxious toil and activity to forget the pain. See, we're not victims. We're more than conquerors in him who loved us. Jesus says not a single halfpenny sparrow is forgotten by his father. And he says, why even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. When we are anxious, it's because we feel that we are forgotten, that we are alone, that we are unloved in this world. Jesus is saying to us that that is completely untrue. Your circumstantial evidence is completely false. He says, even the hairs on your head are numbered by God. The average redhead has 90,000 hairs. The average dark-haired person has 120,000 hairs. The average blonde has 145,000 hairs. The average male praise band member at Crosswinds has 100 hairs. (laughs) 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 And he knows, though, He still knows every follicle, and he knows where they have gone. God's sovereign care is that great over our lives that we are not ever forgotten. He is intimately involved and concerned in every area of our lives. You know, many of you ladies and men give great attention to your hair. And some of you sometimes get very anxious about your hair. But I bet you don't know how many hairs you have. You've not bothered to count them. But friends, they are not forgotten. God has accounted for each one of them. God knows every important thing about you because you are valuable. You are made in his image. You never have been and you never will be forgotten by God. Why do you get so anxious when simply men and women forget you? The one who created the universe knows you and he will never forget you. Do you believe them more than him? Are their words bigger to you than his? God says in Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, 
for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Over and over in his word, he says, he will never leave you nor forsake you. He has not forsaken a single pesky sparrow throughout all of history. Why would he forsake you made in his image according to his word? Jesus says, you are of more value than many sparrows. The word many in the Greek does not mean five. You're not worth two pennies. It means a great multitude of sparrows giving you infinite worth. God knows the sparrows that cost only a penny or half a penny. How much more love and concern does he have for you? Jesus is a man who came from heaven to give us direct evidence of his father's love and care for you. Jesus is here to tell you something to make you, he's not here to tell you something just to make you feel good. He doesn't come to tell you something just to make him a popular rabbi. Jesus had no sin. Because of that, he had no fear of man. And he, he did not say things that were not completely true just to please us. He didn't need to. In John 40, 43, Jesus said this to a bunch of religious people that did not believe him about God's love for us. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people. But I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Jesus is different from us. He says he does not receive glory from people. He has no fear of man. He simply came to do the Father's will. He fears God. He did not enter our world to be popular or declare himself God. He came to tell us and to show us the truth. The truth is that God loves you. The problem of our anxiety is that you listen more to Fox News, NBC, MSNBC, BBC News than you do to God. We listen more to our politicians than we do to God. We listen more to those who reject us and persecute us more than God. We listen to other people or ourselves who come in their own name trying to be gods. Instead of listening to Jesus, who is God, we look to receive glory from one another, and so we become anxious when we don't get it from each other. And we don't seek our true glory that comes from God alone. Beloved, you are not forgotten our Father sent Jesus on a rescue mission just for you. We did not choose him. We chose to glory in each other instead. Yet he chose us because he loves us. He came down and he did not glory in us, but instead he glorified the Father and to do his will to save us. We who glory in men put him on a cross to die. And when he died, he died for our sin. And he died for the shame of the sins done to us. Our glory had been put to shame by the sins 
that other people had done to us. Because they were treating what was not God as God. They abused us. Jesus restores our value by paying way more than a penny. He gave us infinite value. He gave us his life. Going to the cross had no dignity. There was no glory from man in it. Jesus chose the cross to prove God's perfect love for us, to prove that it was trustworthy and true. His death was truly selfless because he had no glory to gain from us. Jesus' death is direct evidence, friends, of God's love for you. He proved we are not forgotten in this cold and lonely universe. He came and he died for you. The Son of God loved you and he died for you. He hung nailed to a cross, arms opened wide, saying, I love you this much. You are to die for because you are so much more valuable to me than many sparrows. Three days later, he walked out of a tomb as proof that his words are true about everything because nobody else has ever done that. Beloved, God forbid that you be anxious. God has called you friend. God is not against you. He is for you. He gives you your value, not men. He knows every hair on your head. He says, I know the good, the bad, and the ugly about you, yet I still love you and choose to die for you. None of you has been forgotten by me. Neither your sin or your shame or what others have done to you can ever make me forget you. All men can do is kill you. But I have chosen to give you life abundantly. That is why I sent my son. Just choose him and live forever. Beloved, now is the time to repent. Now is the time to repent for making people big and God small. Anxiety is solved, friends, in the gospel. Which means to turn and follow Jesus as your leader. Make him your authority. When Jesus called his disciples like Peter, he said to them, Do not fear. God forbid that you fear. Instead, come follow me. Make me your authority and have peace. I will make you Fishers of men. Who's afraid in that scenario? The fish or the fisherman? Should be the fish. Today, come, let God be bigger to you than men in your heart. And the problem of your anxious fears will be solved daily as you turn and follow him in faith as the God whose perfect love has been proved for you that casts out all of your fears. Let us pray. Father, I thank you and I praise you when I come to you today to repent, repent publicly of my fear of man. Father, I'm not a victim. I'm more, of a, more than a conqueror in you. Father, help me to be better. Father, I pray that for my brothers and sisters because we have all feared you. 
are feared men who only can kill us. Father, some have seen themselves as victims their whole life. Today is the day to repent of that because they are worth more than many sparrows. And you value them. You know every hair on their head. Lord, let them turn to you and know that you are for them, not against them. That your love is eternal, that is an everlasting love. Let them turn from fear, repent from that sin today and turn to you and rejoice because you love them. Thank you, Jesus, for what you are doing right now in people's both here and online. Father, in you. For how good you are. In Jesus' name, I pray. Sing. Come and stand with me, and I'll pray with you.